difficulty of 10. And Nunes is an absolute magician. Hello and welcome to another week of Troy Nunes' is an Absolute Podcast with or without uh, intro music, depending on whether you're watching us on Twitch or on the podcast feed. So I'll fix that in post, but uh, apologies to anyone that was just staring at an orange screen for a minute. Uh, with you as always, Steve Haller. Joining me as a, well, uh, back from back from a, a hiatus, <laughs> Mr. Andrew Andrew Pregler. And uh, joining me as always, Mr. Christian DeGuzman. What's going on, guys? Don't worry, if you missed intro music, here it is. Because every time we touch, I get this feeling. <laughs> every time I... God, why? Why? Uh, it's... Listen, this is, you know what the best part about that is? Is that that's the last time that we have to watch. This year was the last time we had to watch Coach K awkwardly dance around to that. That yeah. that era is now done. Why, why was that? <laughs> why, why did Turner in the NCAA decide, yes, what's the hype song we use for this? I get it, it's a Duke thing. But like, yes. I... Like this, this is what we're going to use for their video intro, right? Why does one lean into that? Oh, they wanted. I mean, let's just talk about something very quickly. This was the first time that we, as Syracuse fans, got to experience what it's like to root against Syracuse, where the crotchety old man lost, and instead of having to get up our pitchforks and put our capes on to defend him, we all got to point and laugh along with the rest of the country at him. And the narrative that both Turner and ESPN wanted to have of Coach K in the title game for his last game and UNC both times just coming out here being a perfect heel out of an old school WWE script. Uh, I, I love every second of it. I watched the first half of the game at a Brooklyn bar that was overrun by Duke fans. I left <laughs> at halftime and I kind of wanted to go back just to watch the sadness happen. <laughs> um, and this, and I mean this very seriously. I have never enjoyed waking up to a score that was uh, Duke losing more, including, like, that's that loss from Duke was better than any loss that Syracuse gave them, period. I know someone who uh, watched the, who's based in Charlotte, and watched the first half of the game in the Dean Dome, and watched the second half of the game in a Durham bar, just to get the experience of both. Ooh, interesting half choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, in awkward uh, awkward transitions, um, did, did we have basketball things that happened in the Syracuse sphere? There's a lot of basketball things that happened in the Syracuse There's a lot of basketball sphere. things that happened, but you know what? We're going to make you eat your vegetables first, because guess what happened this week? Well, specifically in the last, I guess, 72 hours, uh, there was live football played at the Carrier Dome no, by no, the San no, Andy, we're, we're, what? we're not going to let – we're, we're going to not do that. Oh. We're, we're going to do the basketball. Actually, you know what? We'll make you eat your real vegetables first. There was also lacrosse that happened. Yes. Okay. <laughs> do I, I don't want vegetables right now. <laughs> no. So no, for, for anyone who really hated their vegetables, here you go. Because Syracuse just lost by the worst score they have in, what, 45 years or something stupid like that? It's not great. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, the men got demolished by number 16 Notre Dame, 22 to 6. And it looked Christian, as bad as the scoreline. Christian, I just need to know, my group chat was, I have a group chat of Syracuse friends. It was It was going off with a whole lot of, like, jokingly hashtag bring back desco kind of kind of talks and the whole thing is half sarcastic half is our program really this broken 
And I just want to make something really clear because you are the person that knows lacrosse and you kind of warned us about this at the beginning of the season. This this team is good by like national lacrosse standards, but this is not and this never was a great team. And Syracuse is now on the other side of the gulf between like the teams that are actually competing for a national title and the teams that are just merely a collection of good players. To be fair, they play in the ACC, and you are going to get years like this in the ACC where every single team is a title contender, bar one. That that happened like in the middle of the... Uh, it kind of happened in the middle of the 2010s with Virginia, and look at where they are now. Um, because when Syracuse came in, it kind of you kind of had... Uh, Duke, North Carolina, Notre Dame, and Syracuse kind of kind of fighting over each other. Once Syracuse came into the ACC, and then Virginia was kind of the odd team out, yeah. and now that script has flipped um, a little bit with Virginia now taking that spot, and then Syracuse be kind of being the odd team out. So it's it, it's certainly not a great position to be in, but Syracuse is still Syracuse. There's a lot of hope coming in with, especially with the incoming class. Of course, the Spolina is coming in um, in 23 and 24. Um, the the uh, top recruits are coming in as well. Um, the the 2022 class didn't necessarily jump off the page in terms of a recruiting class either. Um, and the transfers that came in weren't necessarily as high level as probably some people um would have liked in order for the issues from 2021 to get solved. So, right. and you combine that with an mm-hmm. elite attacker going down for the year. Uh, mm-hmm. in hilts yeah. and that mm-hmm. really doesn't help things yeah because you're starting to re- you you start to really quickly realize that um as great as tucker dordovic is he can't do it by himself he needs help and brennan curry can only do so much himself as well um when it's really tucker and curry the only guys that are the playmakers on this team it's kind of tough to see how goals come normally and then the defense is just way too inconsistent as well um because really the only good game we've seen from the defense against an elite team was that duke game and hasn't been great the rest of the way and that defense is kind of you know duct tape and patchwork at this point right yeah Mm -hmm. is because uh what is it um kennedy isn't even in his natural position yeah um Although, for some reason, Paul Carcaterra has him listed as a close defender in his uh, Premier Lacrosse League uh, big boards. Hmm. Um, Kennedy will get drafted yeah. uh, because he's that good. Um, and he's showing to be that versatile. Um, but yeah, I do agree, and I think most people agree as well, uh, that his better position is as a long stick midfielder. But um, there's a... Um, there is um, a good silver lining with that Kennedy move to close D because Sam Alexo has been very, very good at close at long stick midfielder. Um, right. A lot of people have been really impressed with him. Same with me. Uh, number 48. He, he has been very, very good. A very good revelation as well. Um, but it's just that the, this, this quality of the close D's past Kennedy just aren't there. And yeah. yeah. Well, the... The fr- the frustrating part is I think the the uh, the national narrative on this is going to probably get a little bit lost. Like that level of nuance that you just displayed uh, in that conversation is definitely not going to be what is going to get taken out of this season. I think that there's going to be a lot of 
concern slash faux outrage over the end result and the end record of this program and I, I still certain think stats. That, I still think that's warranted, though. Like, even with the incoming trouble that was already slated with this team, no hilts, no real game changers on defense or goalkeeper to replace the stars or lack of them that were coming out, um, the lack of other attacking options. This is still a Syracuse program that is still expected to at least finish with an above 500 record. And the thing that I think it struggles with most people is that, yes, while this is a program with big names as well on the coaching staff, you got to pump the brakes a little bit on the coaching staff. It's the first time they've worked together. Um, so there's still probably going to be some different philosophies that they're still working through. Remember, Gary Gate hasn't coached the men. Um, if if I remember correctly, I don't think he's coached college men's lacrosse. I think the only men experience he has coaching is in box. Um, don't quote me on that, but that, I think that's the only men experience coaching-wise he has. Most of his stuff is in women's lacrosse. And while the fundamentals of the game are similar, the style of play is completely different between men and women. So... It's gonna be... It, it has... This had to be a learning uh, period. And... Yes, we're slowly moving away from the honeymoon where you start to expect results, but I don't think people were expecting a seeded team in the tournament once again yeah. after um, after what happened last year. Well, you know, Gary Gate has some experience on the women's side, and I've heard that our women's program under Gary Gate was pretty good and apparently is uh -huh. still very good at present. Uh, the still number four. Yeah. Still with caveats, but very yeah. good. So Kayla Trainer is definitely um, doing doing her thing, and mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. women decided to go and blow out first year program eighteen or, uh, Pittsburgh eighteen to six this week. Yeah, that's the caveat. That that was a that's a first year ACC program. Yep. So now a first year ACC program that is full of transfers from other ACC programs. Very true. Very true. But still a first year ACC program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With with the top three team with the top ten with the top uh, three teams in the nation preseason wise, you know minor detail, minor details. The and I think that there's uh, listen the women are going to keep rolling. We've talked about it a bunch. Um, the, the, it's going to kind of come down to the to the back half of the schedule and how they compete against you know the the elephant in the ACC <laughs> um, yeah. that. So I listen, I'm really happy and uh, all shout outs to the News Magician Twitter account slash Kevin for calling out Kayla Trainer's amazing fits. Uh, I appreciate that she is all in on the athleisure coaching wear uh, trend that's going on. I much prefer my coaches in track suits than uh, suits. Sorry, Gary, but that's just my preference. The, the um, interesting thing uh, for this team will be next week. Next week is going to be interesting. We'll see, we'll get a real litmus test on how good the Syracuse What's Orange team next? can be. Oh, oh, that's next week. That oh. is next week. So for for anyone who doesn't know, that is um, the number one in the country, North Carolina Tar Heels, uh, coming to the Carrier Dome at uh, two p.m. on Saturday, April 9th. So uh, get up there for one heck of a women's matchup, or uh, watch it on ESPNU. Hey, we get an ESPNU game. Hell yeah. 
Always fun. Uh, the other vegetable, but the one that probably half this podcast is like, it's not actually a vegetable, it's the main course. So I guess it's like a really fancy vegan option. Uh, we have basketball roster news to talk about because that's what everybody likes to hear. Uh, the transfer portal was opened yet again. Um, Frank Anselm goes into the portal. And that was this week? Oh my God. Wow, yeah, it's been a week. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I and like I, I want to talk about all these things in one go because I do think that one of the big questions that we'll address this week, um, just in general, but they kind of fall into each other, is we're losing Frank Anselm uh, to the transfer portal. We are losing Cole Swider to the draft. He has hired an agent, so this is not a... Uh, situation where he can actually come back. As soon as he hires the agent, he's officially gone. It's the same thing that Jimmy Jr. and Buddy did where they signed with Rock Nation, officially ending any opportunity for them to use any additional years of eligibility. So with Cole Swider officially gone, Frank Anselm officially gone, the forward group is starting to look really young. The guard group got reinforcements with another young player, uh, Syracuse Land's four-star guard Judah Mintz, depending on where you look, he's a top 35, top 30 prospect uh, in the country. Uh, I think ESPN has him higher at 35, 24-7 has him in the 50s. Um, He flipped from DePaul to Syracuse, and it now creates, I know, first and last time that we will mention DePaul on this podcast in the era of Syracuse and the ACC. And to continue to try to this podcast, this is another reason why Syracuse shouldn't be in the Big East. Yeah, just no, no to Paul. Uh, the roster as it stands now is in a really interesting spot. And this is where I, I, I kind of want to toss it to you, Steve, because one of the things that we talked about a lot is that this the pieces of last year's team just very clearly did not fit together um, in a way that did. And we talked about it a lot. You could have seen like maybe leading up into the season how things would have fit um but it just ended up not working for syracuse this year's team is starting to kind of feel like that all over again where you've got now smear torrance and joe gerard pretty much penciled in at big minutes at the one at the one and the two guard joe moving over to the two smear uh smear over at the one now you've got. Well, please actually make it so that it is Joe at the two and not <laughs> well, Joe. <laughs> well, this is, well, this is the thing is that I don't think that like we saw it in the ACC tournament. Like we saw that when Smear is on the floor, Joe either didn't play because Buddy played at the two prior to this, you know, the punch heard around the world, and <laughs> or I should say the punch heard in upstate New York, and otherwise known as the punch not caught by the referees supposed to do their jobs. Yes, minor detail, uh, but. But in that second game, we saw, you know, that was pretty much that's that's how Bayheim wanted to roll. And I and I liked that. Now you add Ju- now you add Mince to the equation and Mince is a more in the long the lines of a one rather than a two. I'm assuming Benny is over at the three. The four is a giant question mark, and the five is Jesse Edwards. And so to remind everybody before I finally give this before I let Steve kind of talk about this. We've got a bunch of freshmen coming in who are quote unquote small forwards or power forwards. We're looking at Chris Bunch, uh, who is six foot seven, 185 pounds, 
Justin Taylor, who's 6'6", 200 pounds, and then Malik Brown, who's 6'9", 210, but is rated as a three-star and predicted to be a project. And then you've got Kadir Copeland coming in, who's 6'6", 175, and is a combo guard. So you could see him potentially spelling Benny at the three or playing the two uh, in limited minutes. Moral of the story, Steve. I think we have the exact same thing as last year, where we've got a lot of really nice pieces, but there's not a very clear starting five or even a very clear rotation as to how to use these guys. Well, I I would say it's a weird one because you have you have like you said four out of the five penciled or almost penned in. Uh, the question will be who shows up from that six man freshman class coming in, and how they show up. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not anticipating. No offense to Chaz Owens or John Bolajak. I I don't see them sliding in at the four uh, and being that guy. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens there. It's it's going to be interesting. Um, you, you have a good problem in the backcourt with Mince and Copeland coming in uh, to either spell or compete, or uh, both of them can kind of play combo guards. So we'll we'll see what what happens there. Uh, and then Taylor, it's probably what Christian would you say? Probably bunch. Bunch I being the slide in guy. I think it's bunch. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's the, it's, it it's, might be, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, 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 this is where we're at. We're at question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, good luck. Uh, but with two going out and you still have Chaz Owens on scholarship. Does Felicia like get Jack know anyone from Buffalo that can give us a hand? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Here, bring, bring them all in. But that, I mean, that might be the thing is, do you bring in, especially with a young squad like this? I mean, you've got, what is it? Three, there'll be juniors coming back. And then beyond that, there's nobody. Um, like that's your, that's your experience. So do you have, do you mind that transfer portal for another veteran in that, you know, three or four mold? Do you, uh, you know, dare I say, piss off Billy and bump Chaz Owens off scholarship? Like what, what do you, what do you do? Like, I'm pretty sure he only at this point, it's been all like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like uh, him being on scholarship is a um, by play scholarship so uh, though we haven't yeah, seen anything it feels what feels like I mean, what, we did, and... what we do is we go to seton hall and we say i give you a coach with national recognition after an elite aid run with a low mid-major team uh we get kadari richmond uh <laughs> that's 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 what we do um <laughs> that would be an interesting trade uh <laughs> what i will what i will say yeah i think what's interesting about this team is that the number one thing that I saw and that I heard from fans and from, you know, the number one criticism was that Beheim was too stubborn with playing the quote unquote veterans in the room and didn't let any of the young kids play. And now, you know, the, the, the me that sees Jim Beheim spite and thinks that he might want to spite the world sees a team that's really young and him trot out, you know, a very young roster, which struggles early on. And then him just getting up on the microphone and going, this is why I don't like to play all freshman teams. It's almost like I know what I'm doing up here. And 
part of me yeah steve you know that he would do that you 1000 yeah. oh, percent know he would do that <laughs> well it's not like he's in charge of the roster construction or anything no um, and this this is the point i think where, that, this is where we need andy katz <laughs> to be the brave one to ask the questions mm-hmm. no I, I i do think that it's going to come down to the transfer portal because it seems like what they really need if they if they do want to have some combination of youth rotating in between the three and the four, you probably need either a really flexible veteran who can sw- like a lot like Jimmy Jr. was this past year, where he's a true four and can maybe play the five in a pinch if Jesse gets into foul trouble, or you go out and you try to get a true backup center and you roll the dice with some weird lineups and maybe slot, you know, Jesse showed that he's a little bit, he's way more comfortable with his game, you know, around the rim, especially with touch shots than other fives that Syracuse has had have been in the past. I'm not saying putting Jesse at the four and then bring somebody else in to be the five is the, is the right move, but, but at no least that's, that would be, there's, that would be it's so Peter Carey. It's Peter Carey. Who's like been injured the last two years, right? Yeah, and like this is and this is the point. Like I don't see another way of doing it unless like you have two options and it's just what's available. Well, you can always bring in Fred. Oh, never mind. No, um, uh, scratch that. Uh, what do you? Um, no, no, um, no, um, Ro- uh, Robert Brez, Big Bad Bobby. Uh, no, no, that is Quin- no, Quincy. No. Quincy, no, yeah. Quincy Ballard, no, 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 no. Quincy Ballard. There we go. <laughs> yes, yes, perfect. Um, um, Kamari Lance, actually. No, Kamari Lance. He, he'd be up. No. Oh, by the way, for anyone listening who didn't get the Quincy Ballard thing, that's been the latest rumor is that Quincy Ballard is going to transfer home from Florida State <laughs> for some reason um, to sit behind Jesse Edwards. So yeah. we'll see how mm-hmm. that pans out. I don't know. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what my take on it is in all honesty, but. That's the Mayhem ultimate plan. That's where he moves Jesse to the four, and we watch our heads explode. <laughs> See Listen. how many seven-footers you can get in the zone at one time? Mm-hmm. Not hey. going to lie. I don't necessarily think it's the worst idea. No, because, I mean, <laughs> because, because right now, honestly, it's probably better than 85% of the options that are presented in front of us right now. I, I'm telling you, this, this is not going to be the last time we have this conversation. Uh, but this is definitely going to be one of the weirder times we have it because there is a giant ass question mark right now in the middle of this roster that will determine which way it goes. And we probably won't have an answer for that for a couple of weeks. So the next time we talk uh, about this, I don't think it's going to be a couple of weeks. I don't I think, it, I think it may be at this point a couple months. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my question though, about the transfer portals. Like I'm assuming again, this is probably a Kevin question, but like, I'm assuming that we can, theoretically snag anybody up and until the fall semester begins late this august also, up until this enrollment. is also we need this is also when we need john with his scholarship tracker <laughs> the sheet is live somewhere yeah but we, yes we have all the football ones we don't have yes. the basketball ones uh I don't have a good tangent for this one, but I want to say thank you to our sponsors, Home Field Apparel, uh, as we reach the roughly halfway point of the show. Um, Home Field, you too have so many options that you can switch in and out of your wardrobe, some of which that make sense, others that don't make any sense at all, but they're still beautiful to look at, such as the Tulane Angry Wave shirt that Steve Haller is wearing if you're watching on our Discord, uh, on our Twitch 
uh, channel right now. This Who's is... watching our Discord right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the second time tonight I've done this. Uh, home Field Apparel, your one-stop shop for the comfiest uh, vintage collegiate t-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, whatever it may be. Uh, make sure you use the promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order. And we are now going to do our favorite thing, which is talk about football. Gentlemen, I did not make it to the spring game. What the heck happened? Football was played. Football, yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah. No, that uh, that was it. That was all mm-hmm. right. So we're wrapping all up. Right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, uh, you want to yeah. fire away, Christian? I'll fire away. Uh, guess what? Ones versus twos is a, sl- a lopsided matchup. Who would have thought? Yeah. yeah. Um, and threes versus fours when we get to the end of it. Three versus fours is an interesting experience for the mind and soul. Um, when it got to the point the, where no one on the field I recognized, I was like, wow, this is, I can't imagine what people who don't stare at this thing 24-7 are thinking right also, now. It's also concerning, slightly concerning, when the wide wide receiver def shows that while we're rotating guys in and out uh, for the threes and fours, Anthony Queeley was one of the guys who stepped on the field for a moment. Um, yeah, Omari Hatcher uh, caught with, uh, was, was on the field for anyone from the ones to the fives. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think we have mm-hmm. fives, but it was like every time I looked out, number 17 was on the field. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so wide receiver depth uh, continues to be an issue. We probably knew that coming in. Um, but it, again, when you see the depth chart, you kind of got a good idea of what's to come. And so everyone's wondering about quarterbacks. No surprise, it's Garrett Schrader is probably going to be the quarterback that is the number one. Um, when you see. Uh, Coach Baber said that in one of their like full go scrimmages prior to the spring game, uh, he kind of tweaked his hamstring a little bit on a on a touchdown run. Uh, They're not too overly concerned about it, but for precautionary reasons, he sat. Yeah, so, for anyone who watched it, uh, Schrader did mm-hmm. he did participate in everything pregame uh, from yeah. uh, everything up until the live fire scrimmage. He was live for. So it was, uh, I, I think Babers is uh, on the up and up there. It's it's probably a precautionary scratch rather than, like, he probably could have gone, but there's no reason to send him out there mm-hmm. in that situation. Same with Sean Tucker, probably like, hey, let's not have a running back get injured uh, yeah. because that would suck. Um, he said that uh, participating in track made Sean Tucker faster. That is scary um, <laughs> because who knew that you could get faster? with that muscle yeah <laughs> um so good luck everyone um and then when you get to see where the death chart is let's start on the offensive side uh the big thing is that you saw justin lamson get mainly the reps with the ones on the offense yeah uh, just kind of signaling that he is right now the standout number two option in the quarterback room which is very interesting and i think it's actually um you could argue about this i think that's a good sign I think that I think that he shows a lot of promise, um, especially after his recruiting tape, um, and it, he kind of feels like he's the quarterback that uh, Dino Babers wants to play in his system. And so, he showed, and he showed, and he showed some good. And he showed some really good touch on his passes. Um, I think maybe incompleted one or two passes, and like it was, he he looks good. 
I think this is like my biggest uh, question that I had going into this into the spring game, um, aside from the more technical details along the line that I know that Steve was acutely watching for. Uh, when it comes to these games, we knew going in we weren't going to see anything major. We knew we weren't going to see hardcore like football action in the vein of like the old school spring games. But you do get to see a certain comfort level with these players after like we we know that the way that this coaching staff likes to run spring is kind of throw shit at the wall and see what sticks and certain players thrive in that environment and other players don't as much it's really promising for me to hear from not just you but from others that lamson is kind of has taken that step because i think that's the biggest question for the orange under babers since dungy has left which is the quarterback depth we like part of the reason why there was a 10 win season was because Tommy DeVito was behind Dungy and won Syracuse a couple of games. Yep. Like that season does not end with double digit wins without DeVito coming in and playing his ass off against North Carolina in particular and holding on and playing really smart against Florida State. Um, and I think there was one other game that I'm missing, but those are the two that stand out in my mind. Carolina. Uh, no, uh, no, I had the North Carolina one. There was the Florida State one. I think there was one more game where Dungy went out for an extended period of time. Oh, that um, was that was Notre Dame, but Devito didn't win that game because no, he didn't. No, because that was that was Notre Dame. Um, yes, yes, that one. Um, so the point stands is that like we know that the offense is going to run through Schrader one way or the other. We've seen what happens when the number one option got hurt the last few years, and it was bad. If Lamson has what it takes. Could he be a very serviceable backup this year? If the answer to that question is yes, and all, for all intents and purposes, what we've seen so far is leading us to believe more so than not, I feel a lot better about the state of this offense in general. Because if you can get the backup quarterback position to finally be settled, I feel like that means you can figure out a lot of other things. There... There was a distinct difference between Lamson and then watching Jacoby and Morgan and Dan Villari. Um, After watching live, after watching live reps, I would say the one through four is probably, and Christian, correct me if you think differently, but I would assume it's probably Schrader, Lamson, uh, Morgan, then Villari, just from the way they were running things. Uh, Uh Morgan still, um, still throws rockets and doesn't have much touch. But he he definitely looked a little more in control than what uh, we had seen from Valari, who's still learning the offense and still working his way into the the systems. But it, it's um, the, coming out of spring, I'd say that's your one through four. Uh, I will note that uh, for anyone who was just watching prior to uh, we said that Schrader was taking reps in warmups. Uh, he did hit a couple of balls over the top to I believe. One was Alfred, one was um, one of the young kids, but uh, hit them absolutely in stride with beautiful over-the-top balls, like on a dime. Uh, Christian brought up prior to the pod that uh, we we do need to see him do that with someone in his face, but I have never seen his arm do something like what it was doing prior. (laughs) So I would say that's a feather in Jason Beck and Robert Anae's cap at this point. 
hopefully that continues and that wasn't just a fluke like and it wasn't just a single there were a couple of go routes that he hit but also you know some touch on some slants and one out that he had zip that he did not have last year on his ball so if there was a hitch in the giddy up or something going on with that mechanically uh it seems to have been sorted because he was a, a highly rated recruit coming out of high school so there was a reason for that and hopefully this um may may uh I, I guess may make it so that Schrader Savior could be a thing, because right now it's, in my opinion, still not. However, if uh, if they if they fix that, if they you know fix the glitch, then uh, that could that could really be something nice. But where would you put the Quint Allen in this quarterback room? Um, definitively present. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I that, would. That was the Robert um, and a Robert and a Robert and aid. If you'd like to elaborate, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so uh, Robert Dene Philly specialed um, and went uh, liquid liquid Allen on a double reverse and a throw to Jacoby on Morgan, um, yeah. which immediately have Ke- which immediately had Kevin tweeting, "Hey, guess what? Jacoby and Morgan can catch a ball better than Tom Brady can." Ha ha ha! This is good. I, I Tom Brady slander is actually um, <laughs> you know encouraged in this in this space. Uh, what I do want to know next is that we talked about the offense uh, a little bit here. I think that the number one question that everybody has that's tuning into this is let's talk offensive line. More specifically, Steve, is the offensive line healthy slash are we going to be in a position where if one guy goes down, the entire thing falls apart again? Um, I know that those are impossible questions to ask. However... Based off of what we've seen in past years, based off of what you saw in the spring game, where where do we kind of stand with the big the big boys up front? So to answer your questions, yes, no, and no, uh, or no, no, yes, and no, they are not healthy. Uh, only for the fact that, uh, for one, uh, it was confirmed by SU staff that uh, Matthew Bergeron was a healthy scratch. That wasn't a uh, he wasn't out injured. But uh, Kalen Ellis was out with an ankle injury. Uh, Matt, or uh, no, mm, who else? Chris Bleich was Arch. recovering from offseason surgery. And I think that was it for the those out. Um, I mean, if you want to consider uh, Rhino also, I mean, right. yeah. Yeah, he technically he falls in the offensive line and defensive line <laughs> and every other category you can put him in. Mm-hmm. But he did also participate. I think he also participated in some warm-ups. I think most of them did. Yeah, he did. They I, were just all, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, don't run them I, when you don't I need think to. The only, I think the only person who actually, like, wasn't dressed in terms of, like, normal people was Tucker. Uh, it was Tucker and Rob Hanna, who had a bionic elbow thing going on. Oh, wonderful. So, but um, beyond that, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, the the line looked good from, from what we knew, uh, or, like, the, the roster looked where we knew it would be. Uh, those had all been reported injuries prior. Um, so the starting, the, the quote-unquote uh, ones offensive line was left to right. Enrique Cruz, uh, the redshirt sophomore or redshirt freshman um, tackle. Wes Ho the, at guard. Uh, Veterello at center. Dakota Davis at right guard. And Darius Tisdale at right tackle. Um, very different, but also looked good. Uh, I was, wasn't really paying attention to Davis and Tisdale cause we know what they're doing. Same thing with Veterello, but, uh, 
Wesho and um, uh, Cruz both looked like they were, you know, fitting in well with the unit. Um, there, it's funny. I think I think there's one point where I tweeted out that uh, they looked great on breaking uh, on a LaQuinn Allen run around the edge, and that or it might have been a Juwan Price, but uh, we can talk about both of them later because they both showed up and showed things. Um, but but they proceeded to the uh, play after uh, Enrique Cruz gave up a sack on Justin Lampson. So it was like, hey, they're doing great. Oh, not so much. But uh, overall, they looked more comfortable than I would have expected them to. Uh, on the second line, you saw um, Anthony Red return from injury. There were a couple other um, couple other good good pieces to the puzzle that were floating around that I saw. But uh, I dare I say, in the trenches, the one the 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 more interesting side was definitely the defense yeah i would agree with that as well yeah the so the ones were as expected caleb okachukwu uh terry lockett at tackle and steve linton on the other side who is converted from linebacker and still wears weighs seven pounds soaking up with a cinder block tied to him um but also was able to get upfield very consistently so um I don't. And it always felt like, and it always felt like Clinton was an edge rusher instead of a linebacker. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He kind of fit in that that mold of the the linebacker that would always roll up. Um, I don't think they consciously Marcus Ware. Right. Yeah. They they wouldn't consciously put him in coverage. They just said linebacker to say linebacker on the on the position <laughs> sheet. Yeah. Um. So you know, solid. Uh. Not not. Well, I guess veteran, but not. Uh, overly veteran uh, presence on the first line but then it dropped literally right off to um elijah funta's kundif at tackle and the two uh freshmen that were january and rollies at end for the twos in francois Knowlton and um dennis Jaquez. so th- it, it seems like they're working their we, way we in must- yeah, we have to make a decision on on him as well. How are we going to pronounce his name? Is it going to be Jacques or is it going to be like Hami Hawkes and it's going to be like, you know, the Hawkes, hmm. <laughs> like from yeah. UCLA? Like, I, we need to make a decision have, on that. Am I going to have to write more names up on the board up here now? Yes. <laughs> more pronunciation yes. guides? All sure. of them. Gleish mm-hmm. is still up there for the record. Good, so. good shit. I'm surprised uh, you didn't write Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, instead, <laughs> instead of the wet or dry erase, just straight <laughs> yeah. up there in Sharpie. So, yeah, um, I, you, you kind of mentioned some of the defensive stuff and I, um, in the article that we, the round table that Kevin published, uh, before the spring game on Friday, I was, uh, focused in a little bit more on defense than a lot of people, if only because I, I do believe in Tony white. However, I think this is probably the toughest coaching job that he's had at Syracuse, not because this is the least talented group, but probably because, this is a team that is no longer going to be slept on. I don't think I don't think coaches are going to look at the three three five defense and say it's easy to um, defeat anymore. They're going to try to attack its weaknesses, and there's some very clear weaknesses, uh, specifically right up the middle of the unit with the defensive line. Um, there's you know a linebacker question, and there's some safety questions. Were there anybody? Was there anybody at any of those three levels of the defense? that kind that either stood out or was getting more of a run than you anticipated or i guess the more real question was sat out as a healthy scratch with the rest of the ones in a way that made you go huh i did not expect that guy to be part of that unit 
Uh, oh, that's fun. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can say uh, we found out that the talent at defensive back seems to drop off considerably after Darian Chestnut and uh, Garrett Williams. Which is not surprising to anyone. No, no. Things, things that we knew. But uh, Dom Foster, who has uh, got a lot of potential, was pretty exposed on a couple of those deep routes by Lamson. Um Beyond that, the the linebackers look like the linebackers. Uh, you know what you're getting from Wax and Jones. Um, Jones actually was having a lot of fun with um, with some of the the fans pregame, so it was it was good to see kind of a, a very loose nature from him and you know getting out and around. Kept mm-hmm. Captain's armband material. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, the defense is a weird I, one. We um one person we did see a lot of, um uh, that I don't think many people would have thought of was uh, Derek McDonald. Um, he came in and rotated a lot with the ones, not just with the twos, but he was playing a lot with the ones. So he might be an interesting person to keep an eye on. Yeah, and yeah, he, that would be a name that I did not have on my radar. <laughs> he's what a redshirt sophomore. I think redshirt freshman. I want to say. Mm. I don't know. Time, time, time is a flat circle with COVID. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to look this up. I want to know this myself. But yeah, he definitely he saw the field much much more than I expected. Um, and, and, and I think anybody the, did. especially with the ones, like he, right. he wasn't it wasn't with the twos. Like he was showing up with the ones, which is like, oh, we're going to do this now. Huh? Um, he is a redshirt freshman. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, so to be fair, somebody has to fill that Kent Arku role. So yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why why not me? Um, well, I know why not me, but uh, why not him? Yeah, Steve, why I, are why aren't you filling in the Jeff Cannon RQ role? <laughs> uh, yeah, age, talent. Uh, let me count the ways. Lack of eligibility. <laughs> so I I think the uh, the last thing about the spring game that I wanted to ask you guys is in general. We know that there's a little bit of apathy around the football program. We know that it's not everybody's favorite thing, except that it's our favorite thing to talk about here. Yay, us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in general, what was the vibe uh, inside the Dome? What was the vibe with the team? And uh, this was televised for the first time. Weird. Interesting. Uh, did that change, or did you feel like there was pl- more playing to the camera the, than we would have seen in otherwise, or was this just a pretty standard Dino's not going to show anything kind of spring practice? <laughs> I actually thought, like, for as much as Dino likes to hide stuff um, for competitive reasons, um, I thought there was a, a lot to take away from this, just in terms of if you want to, like, just even look into it about in terms of um, maybe not so much from an X's and O's standpoint, but from like a personnel standpoint and then maybe a philosophy standpoint as well. Um, since um, you might, we, who knows, we may see a little bit more huddling from Renee. Um, yes, there was no play clock, but you may see a little bit more huddling. Um, we saw, um, again, some of the trickeration plays as well. And some of the run concepts weren't just all up the middle, which is something I like to see. And oh, that power, that that guard traditional power with the bucket step pull. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. So there's like three people that listen that understood what I just said. Two of them yeah, are on the phone uh, with me. Well, one of them yeah. is on the phone with me. 
<laughs> judging by Pregler's, <laughs> judging by Pregler's head going like this. Yeah, yeah. So, did not quite get that. <laughs> I kind of got half of that also. So you're talking to like half a person. Um, so I, I think like, like from a fan standpoint, like it was actually like just an enjoyable game of football because. Like it was actually fairly competitive. Like you saw people, yeah. like they were they were going after each other. Gar- uh, Deuce Chestnut was mad when he got called for a pass interference play, which was really funny. Marlon Waxon was suplexed someone, Bear Bo- Ben Bowyer style, which oh, was yeah. also incredible. And um, that's, so, I mean, like for people that say that they don't go at it in these spring games, like I, I mean, I've I've been there. Like this, this is the twos chance for one. It's hard to turn that up. Once the whistle starts going and you're in you're in full uniform and the refs are out there, like you don't just turn it off. And yeah. the the twos are still trying to prove themselves. So and the ones are trying to stay out of the twos. So it's not like it's just going patty cake. Like they're they're going at it. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut in there, but Yeah, no, I yeah, I like I actually thought like the quality of football is so um was pretty good. Yeah. That was until we got to the threes and fours. No offense to the threes and fours, but like, no. the like the game actually between the ones and twos looked competitive and looks like it was more than fifty percent what you would see in terms of effort level from what uh, Syracuse was going to show yeah. in week one against Louisville, which is I think very good, and it, and I think there's, I think especially with when you have an A and Beck. Um, joining this program. There's a kind of a renewed optimism um, with the offense, especially, you know, after the past two years uh, with Sterling Gilbert. Um, so I think that is the... I think that's the word, is that there is an optimism. I think it wasn't a big dumb crowd, but certainly I, I, there wasn't... It, it didn't sound like the crowd was, like, not enjoying the game. Right. Which was which was very good. Yeah, it was... It was interesting, and like you said, with a nay versus what we saw from uh, our previous regime in the offensive coordinator era, uh, it it really it felt like there was a tempo, it felt like there was a flow, it felt like they actually had an idea of what they were doing, which was nice and <laughs> very comforting, and yeah. made me very happy that we were able to splash some cash and pull them in. Yeah. I'm cautious again. I think this is the tough part about football is that this is now the last time that we're going to see uh, or hear anything major coming out of the football team in an organized manner until August, um, if we're lucky. Uh, So we've got right now a period of time where all we can kind of do is like latch onto these pieces of hope. But I do think that Dino and the staff have given us more than we've seen uh, since the 10 win season. Like this is this is probably the most optimistic I felt about Syracuse in a while, um, but it's not necessarily because I think Syracuse is going to be good immediately. It's because I think that there's finally a process. I think there's finally a team with a coaching vision in plan that's more than just let our really good quarterback do whatever the heck he wants. I mean, that's nice. that's nice. I mean, Eric Dungey was still there, so you know that's that's still part of you know the identity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Dun- and Dungey signing autographs at the spring game with Mon- James Mungro and I think Dan Conley and somebody, uh, uh, Don McPherson. Mom? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, 1987 uh, Heisman winner Don McPherson. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I mean, we're, we're contractually obligated to say this at this site, right? Yes. Yeah, I think, I think Sean wrote that. Box. 
Yeah, Sean wrote that into the bylaws years ago. Mm. Um, <laughs> like when we sign on, that's part. That's literally part of the contract. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, they they had a quite the quite the line wrapping around about halfway around the dome. Well, quarter of the way around the dome. Uh, to to you know sign autographs and have uh, it, it seemed seemed like there was a, a good bit of like you said optimism and um, I I don't want to say excitement but like there they there was a bit of excitement about what was what was happening so it was good to see it wasn't like Christian mentioned it wasn't a huge crowd but it was a snowy blustery Friday night. That was April 1st, and I get why people didn't show up, because I probably wouldn't have if I wasn't covering it. Yeah. The, uh, the I, I think in general, we're, we're in a different space than we've been in a while, and I'm excited uh, for everybody here to kind of join us as we, as we talk about it. I think next season's going to be really fun to talk about, to break down, to cover. I definitely think that it's going to be a season where things are going to happen. It's not going to be boring and it's not going to be predictable, which is all like from a media perspective and from a content creator perspective, that is all we want. Give us the <laughs> chaos. Give us the intrigue. Give us the new stuff. Um, we don't get the that last... with Moon Knight. Uh, I love Moon Knight. Uh, well, actually, I don't, but we can get into that in a later time. Uh, Steve actually should listen to Steve's podcast after this, uh, where he'll probably talk about that. Absolutely. Tune into the Multiverse Report. Find us <laughs> at themultiversereport.com. You're welcome. Uh, the one thing that I do want to talk about uh, to finish this out is our dessert, which is the other football. The football that some of you... <laughs> to the football? Uh, the fun football that takes place on a pitch, not a field. Uh, there were plenty of orange in action over the last week and a half, and there's been some history for the first time in ever, first time in a long time. Canada is going to the World Cup on the back of two orange regulars, which, Steve, I think you were the one that posted this. Is this the first time that Syracuse will have projected starters at the Men's World Cup? From everything that I've been able to dive through, which... You can imagine I tried my damnedest to to verify and fact check this, uh, as well as anyone I talked to up on the hill. Uh, that is the fact that there are likely, again, likely because rosters don't get locked until November, but currently uh, three members of the Orange Faithful that will be either starting or contributing uh, in the Men's World Cup come November. So um, Kamal Miller, who was a center back from... 16 to 18? 15 to 18. Uh, Tejan Buchanan, uh, a forward from 17 to 18, and uh, are, are both uh, current starters for Team Canada, who qualified for the first time in 35 years this week. Um, and the starting center back currently for the U.S. men's national team is Miles Robinson, who played for two years that I can't remember uh, off the top team of my 16. head. There we go. Uh, yeah, he did was, I, he was did I hit same... it on the other two? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because, uh, I, I do know, the reason I do know that is because Miles and Kamal were both uh, freshmen um, in the oh, same class. Oh, yeah, because Miles, Miles played Kamal's freshman and sophomore years, and then Tejan played his yes. junior and senior. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. now I'll never forget that. Sweet. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, uh, we have pretty well three locked-on uh, former Orange that will be either starting or contributing greatly during the World Cup, barring any 
crazy, stupid injury things. Um, so for the first time ever, we're going to be watching Miles take on England on Thanksgiving Day. Or no, uh, uh, Black I, Friday. Black Sorry. Friday. Black Friday. Yeah. Black they, Friday at 11 a.m. likely, which is... No, 2 p.m. They confirmed all U.S. games are 2 p.m. Oh, oh boy. boy. College oh. football and U.S. men's soccer on Black Friday. I am not moving from my couch. Yep. Oh, so, boy. So if you're in Syracuse, be... head down to Wolf Spear Garden because we'll be hosting a huge party down there. Oh, man. I kind of Now I kind of want to get to Wolf's on Black Friday. Uh, <laughs> just, I, listen, I'll be in Erie. I'm three and a half hours away. Oh, there you uh, go. Not, not impossible. Uh, what I, I think that that's... I think it's really exciting. I think it's really important to, like talk about the fact that there's a really good chance uh, that come the World Cup, Syracuse is, will, will be mentioned with alongside uh, soccer names in a way that it's never been done before because it's explicitly, when you look at the men's roster, um, I know that there are other MLS products, there are other collegiate products that go through there, but most of the starting 11 for the U.S. men's national team are your quote-unquote traditional European models where these are all kids that went over to academies and played almost exclusively in the European systems um, during their formative years. Or MLS Uh, academies. Uh, I know FC Dallas and Philly are both pumping out kids like it's their job. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then you look at at it just... It's the same thing across, you know, Canada and these these other uh, countries that are qualifying. There's not very many colleges that are churning out starters for these countries uh, in the same way that the U.S. is. And uh, it's just, again, it's amazing to me that Tejan and Miles and Kamal are not just, you know, guys that were playing a game or two for the, like, they were playing in every single game that they were healthy, um, which is tremendous. Uh, I think a good, huge kudos to Mac and the program and the coaching staff that was there when those kids were there because they've just had so much development in a non-traditional form of soccer development relative to the way the rest of the world does it. So congrats to those guys. And oh, I also of, wanted to call... Oh, fair. No, no, uh, you I was go first. Say, <laughs> of, of other note, of, <laughs> the, that's great audio, folks. Uh, the um, of, of other note, uh, in other Orange soccer news, Ryan Raposo scored another yep. one this weekend. So finally gets a start and looks good doing it. So we'll see where that leads him. He is Canadian? Yes, he is and Canadian. Canadian and plays for Vancouver. Okay, I was not sure and what his nationality is tied and to. Also, and also Toronto Asian. Area. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. I have I have high hopes for him, if only because he was he is a very fun player, and as Christian has kind of has said on the past, he is just he could run around really really fast at the end of games. I would like to see him run around really really fast in the beginning and middle of games as well. Just you know. Think it could be fun. Oh yeah, I do know his parents are very nice people too. I hung out with them oh. at the uh, the what was that that miserable snow game that I covered his senior year? The Col- at Colgate. It was the NCAA tournament at Colgate. At Colgate. Oh. Yep. Yep. We played Why? Ak- Akron at Colgate in the NCAA tournament. Why? I want to say because it was turf and it was miserable conditions. Yeah, I know it's turf. Yeah, because I've been at Colgate, but like, God, okay. Why couldn't you do it at OCC? I don't know. That's that's what they did before. Yeah, and it was was it uh, David? Uh... And OCC is much closer than 
the hour drive to Hamilton. Yeah, all I know is it was miserable. Like I was just sitting there, and it was like a day like today, actually, Christian. It yeah. was like snowing mm-hmm. and thirty, yeah. and just mm-hmm. not yeah. good. Yeah, and the the awful thing about Colgate, as much as I love Colgate, uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. So, yep. But you get to at least drive by Ray's Brothers Barbecue on the way. You do, you do. So I'll I'll take a to go meal from there any day. Mm-hmm. I think I think we've covered all of our normal bingo uh, bingo hits outside of Syracuse sports. Uh, uh, we, to... could, we could I could hit on one more bingo thing outside of Syracuse sports. Guess what? Camilla Cardoso is doing really well for South Carolina yeah. right now at a championship. And Emily Engsler yeah. almost let uh, or almost single handedly brought uh, Louisville to Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or... <laughs> Cardoso going from the tire fire that was her last year at Syracuse to verge of national title for arguably one of the best defensive teams uh, in women's basketball history. That is good for you. Like, listen, I am envious of that kind of turnaround in 12 months of my life. I think I don't think I will turn. I don't think I can turn my fortunes around like that in 20 years of my life. So congrats to you, Camilla. And please beat UConn. Please beat UConn. (laughs) That's all I'm going to ask. Last I had checked in, that was looking like a pretty good possibility. So, well, UConn's brought it. UConn's brought it back. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're only they're only down 10 now. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 Yukoning. So, any anything is possible. Well, the end, uh, the end of the first Garnett. was twenty two to eight. So, yes, that was that was good. Give me that. Ah, uh, well. On that note, now we can wrap it up. Uh, as we've covered all of our bases, uh, we've talked for an hour. We really appreciate everybody who tuned in live on Twitch and listened in. We appreciate everybody who's rewatching this on Twitch on newsmagician.com. Thank you for visiting our website. Uh, if you are listening to this on your preferred podcast consumer platform of choice, please rate us, review us, give us five stars, help us trick the algorithm into expanding the Ottoman Empire. We really do appreciate all the support that you give us. Again, thank you to our sponsor, Home Field Apparel. Use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order of comfy, cozy, retro collegiate apparel. And with that, for Christian, for Steve, go Orange! Orange. Orange.